This week on Blue 58, Bob McGinn tells us what he really thinks about Ted Thompson. We take a look at the Packers' 2017 schedule, and we address one of the biggest Packers draft busts of all time. Plus, we're joined by Doug Russell of 620 WTMJ. Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the official podcast of ThePowerSweep.com. I'm your host, John Meerdink, joined by my co-host, Gary Zillaby. Gary, how are we doing? It's a great day to be great, John. It's a great day to be great indeed. It's a great day to be powered by WTMJ Mobile, and it's a great day for some headlines. Let's dive right in on this, the last podcast before the NFL draft. Speaking of that NFL draft, the Packers apparently have a lot of work to do because Ted Thompson has been very, very bad, at least according to Milwaukee Journal Sentinel beat writer Bob McGinn. He dropped an enormous piece on Sunday listing, I guess, his 99 theses against Ted Thompson, capping it off with with what he calls the unpardonable sin of losing both Josh Sitton and TJ Lang. Basically, this is a uh, blow-by-blow undressing of everything that the Packers have done over the last couple off-seasons. He ends with the line, no matter how you cut it, losing both Josh Sitton and TJ Lang was an unpardonable sin, but that's just the way they handle business in Green Bay. Gary, what do you think? Is it an un- uh, unpardonable sin to let Sitton and Lang walk? No, it's not, John. That Green Bay chose not to resign either Sitton or Lang is completely expected. Just as McGinn said in the sentence directly after calling it an unpardonable sin. Both of these guards have big, hairy question marks going forward. Are they going to stay healthy? Are they going to play well in their 30s? Ultimately, the Packers chose to not be a part of finding the answers to those questions, and I don't blame them. It's fine. McGinn here is drawing an interesting line in the sand and almost begging for the Packers to be fiscally irresponsible to win another Super Bowl. And that's what I find odd about this piece. Uh, It's it's something we just know Ted Thompson isn't going to do. Will two guards, and albeit they're very good guards, keep the Packers really from winning another title? I, I just don't think so. So I view this as kind of a companion piece to something that Ted Thompson or that uh, Bob McGinn wrote about Ted Thompson just before the Packers played the Washington Redskins at the start of the the last third of last season or so. Uh, he wrote at the time that Ted Thompson was uh, leaving options on the table by not signing those sort of aging free agents as sort of stopgap players, the guys you always see picked up at points throughout the year on one-year contracts just to kind of help plug the gaps, maybe give a little bit more veteran skill to the roster. And I thought that was fine. I think that's a legitimate criticism of Ted Thompson in that he doesn't always fully pursue all the options for building the roster. This, however, is something different entirely. This is this. I I described it as a hit job in in my response to to McGinn. It seems like he wants Ted Thompson fired or wants some sort of change in the way the Packers do business but he's not willing to just come out and say it. Instead, he just gets very, very angry about the way that the Packers do handle their business and just he comes across really angry. To top it all off, he makes some points that maybe do not logically follow, and you can read the full piece at thepowersweep.com. We we have a pretty comprehensive analysis there. It it just got under my skin a little bit, and and I was frustrated to see someone as good a writer as McGinn go this route. Something a little bit more palatable, a little bit more easy to digest this time, though. The Packers' 2017 schedule is out. 
Quite a few primetime games on there. No early season bye this week. The Packers will be taking a week off in week eight of the 2017 NFL season. They're also playing on the road in Pittsburgh this year, which is one game that jumped out to me just because that was always my favorite road stadium to play in way back and I think like Madden 2003 and 2004. That just stuck out for me for some reason. But Gary, you understand the hype, uh, the, the big blow up around the schedule release every season? I do get it. John, you and I are very different in terms of how we enjoy consuming media. Um, I think the schedule announcement is a fun part of the off season, even if you already know who you're going to play ahead of time. And for Packers fans, it's really fun because of how well fans travel. I just can't believe, I can't fathom, understand the amount of money that, that's been spent between when the schedule's been announced and now on flights, hotels, tickets, for all of these games, uh, Packer fans travel, and they travel in big numbers, and I see that trend continuing in 2017-2018. There's your hot take of the week. Wow, you see Packers fans continuing to travel well. You're going, you're going very far out on a limb there. I want to take it back. I think, <laughs> I think the, the interesting part of this for me is kind of not the schedule itself, like you pointed out, because it doesn't do a whole lot for me, just the the releases itself. I figure you got to play 16 games a year anyway. You know who the opponents are going to be, and this is just uh, just the very last detail that you're figuring out. But what is interesting to me is kind of something you touched on there, just how well Packers fans travel. Uh, back when I worked for WTMJ, I actually did a story on this ahead of the NFL schedule release, and I talked to some of the people who work for the Green Bay Chamber of Commerce, they say this is actually one of their most favorite and least favorite days of the year because if you talk to hotel managers, they'll have to put extra staff just for working the phones uh, at their hotel front desks on just some, what is it, some random Thursday afternoon in the middle of uh, late April. Uh, they just have to throw some extra people out there because they get inundated with phone calls the second the schedule is actually released. So that's an interesting side of the schedule release that, that sticks out to me. But ultimately, like you like you pointed out, it doesn't necessarily do a whole lot for me. If you're booking a hotel by calling the hotel directly, you're doing it wrong. That is absolutely for sure. Brief side tangent for that. We've had to travel a couple times recently. Never book anything on the phone. Just use Don't like do it. two different just two hotel websites. Google the the best deal. It's easy. You can do it in five minutes. Just try to avoid, like I do, talking to people at all costs. and it, it'll Except go for well the podcast, right, John? Yeah. Well, you're one person. I can handle one person at a time. <laughs> Finally, something actually draft-related, but we're winding it back to 1989. We've titled this piece on thepowersweep.com. Tony Mandarich had so many red flags. My gosh, did Tony Mandarich have red flags. Sports Illustrated last week. Uh, brought up again their incredible bulk article about Tony Mandarich. He was the cover man for that particular issue of the 1989 NFL Draft Series for Sports Illustrated. Ended up being the number two pick in the 1989 draft, heading to the Packers. And he was the only member of the top five of that draft that did not go on to make the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Some quotes that stood out to me from the article. It's spring break at MSU, Michigan State University, and the gym is uncrowded. All the fat blankers are in Florida now, snarls Mandarich during leg curls. Okay. It continues. He left school after four and a half years, still 17 credits shy of earning his degree in communications. 
I never signed a contract saying I'd graduate, he says, but I'll get my degree. People forget there are colleges in California. Now, as someone who has a communications degree, I say it's kind of unfathomable that it would take you four and a half years and still end up almost a full semester short. But that's just me. Finally, the other quote that stood out to me, he says he'll play even in rustic Green Bay, quote, if the price is right. And what's right? Well, bet on it about $8 million over five years. Would he live year-round in Green Bay? The reporter asks. Ha! I'm back here the day the season's over. Gary, where would Tony Mandarich be drafted if he was a prospect in the 2017 draft? <laughs> Strange as it sounds, John, I still think he'd go pretty high. We're dwelling on the red flags here, but he had a ton of strengths, no pun intended, and positive surrounding him. You know, Teams are always looking for those plug-and-play linemen that are going to perform at a high level for 10 years. It's one of the safest picks you can make at least anecdotally, in the draft, taking an offensive lineman. In today's climate, though, John, I think he has a completely different approach with the media. His agent and team would have him in PR training. They'd limit his public appearances and probably have somebody screening his tweets. You know, Johnny Manziel was a dumpster fire before the draft and after the draft and after football. And presently. Yeah. <laughs> but but he still went in the first round, and Mandarich would have would have still went high. It's just... You probably wouldn't have seen that piece uh, in Sports Illustrated now. You would not see anything resembling it. And, you know, I thought at the time when I wrote the piece, I was a little bit more down on Mandrich than I than I am now a couple of days later. I still don't think he, he wouldn't have been the number two overall pick if if everything had gone the same and you just transported him to 2017. You wouldn't have taken a guy like this number two overall. But I, I do agree with you. He still would have been drafted probably in the second couple of rounds. And I was trying to think of an equivalent, and I think I've come up with one. Are you familiar with Ben Bolware from Clemson? Yes. Basically, Ben Bolware is he's not a nice person. Um, he was giving out some free medical checks while on the football field. Google that if you don't know exactly what I'm talking about. It's, it's a story we don't need to address. It's super in-depth. He's a, he's a loud mouth. He's not afraid to let you know what he thinks. But he's, he's still a pretty good football player, and he's probably going to be drafted in the first couple of rounds, maybe maybe third round at the late end. Guys like him do get drafted. Uh, guys like Richie Incognito still stick around. There's a place for the, the meathead idiot in your locker room somewhere if he's good at football. The thing about Tony Mandridge is he turned out to not be very good at football when he stopped taking steroids. So I guess that's the, that's the ultimate red flag against Tony Mandridge. But still interesting to take a look back at that particular uh, rather dark chapter of Packers history. We've got a special treat for you this week. One of my former compatriots at WTMJ has been kind enough to join us for an interview about the NFL draft today. That would be WTMJ's Doug Russell. You can hear his work occasionally on Sports Central in the morning and afternoon drives on WTMJ, and he occasionally hosts the Wisconsin Sports Weekend program as well. I would recommend checking out everything that he does because he's one of the best in the business, and he was kind enough to spare a few minutes uh, with us today uh, to talk about the NFL draft and particularly a few of Wisconsin's products uh, heading towards draft day this week. Uh, take a listen. We're going to talk a little bit about the NFL draft, and we'll start in Wisconsin. Ted Thompson, a regular at Wisconsin Badgers Practices, and I wanted to ask you about a couple of the big-name Wisconsin prospects in the draft this year, starting with Ryan Ramchick. You know, the Packers have perhaps some need on the offensive line, but it looks like if they want this particular fellow, they're going to have to go early. Do you see him as a fit for the Packers? I don't know that I see him as a fit for the Packers. Um, I, I think they're set at tackle. 
Uh, Ramchick certainly has some versatility on the line. Most young players do. Uh, he's got a great story, though. I mean, this is a kid who was very lightly regarded. Uh, had to go to Stevens Point to play before the Badgers uh, picked him up as a walk-on. Then he finally earned a scholarship. Um, so th- the body of work isn't great on Ramchick, but scouts just rave about his natural ability. Uh, they rave about his work ethic, and uh, you know he's put himself in the first round. And if you would have said that a year ago, I think a lot of Wisconsin Badgers fans might say Ryan who, and, and then you show them the spelling of the name and then they come up with something different than Ryan Ramchek. but he's going to make a name for himself in the NFL. I don't know if it's with green Bay. He's probably, I, I think, I don't know if he's going to be there at 29 to be honest with you. Well, speaking about guys with a name, there's no name bigger in Packers fans mind than TJ Watt. And that's due in part because of his brother brothers, I guess you could say in the NFL already. What do you think about TJ Watt heading to the Packers? Well, they certainly need a linebacker. Um, you know, two and a half years ago, T.J. Watt was a tight end. Two and a half years before that, he was a quarterback. So you know that he's got experience on both sides of the ball, collegiate experience at tight end. Um, And J.J. says that T.J. is further along. Now, maybe this is just a big brother talking up his little brother. But he says that his little brother, T.J. Watt, is further along than he was at the same point in their careers. Um, if you can get anything close to J.J. Watt into T.J. Watt, that's why scouts are salivating over it because they know the work ethic because uh, the, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, really. I mean, John and Connie did some great things with their three sons, uh, putting three kids in the NFL. But uh, I think Packers fans, they're, they're, they're salivating over a couple of things. Number one, you want to have some of that Watt mystique. Uh, in Green Bay. They desperately need a linebacker. You love Wisconsin kids. Um, so you, you add up that trifecta, and if he's there at number 29 and the Packers go somewhere else, there are going to be a lot of Green Bay fans that are going to be disappointed in Ted Thompson for a couple of reasons. Not only did they pass on T.J. Watt, but I think Packers fans are starting to get a little frustrated with uh, some of the first-round picks that Ted Thompson has had over the last couple of years, at least if it's, quote-unquote, our guy, if he's a Wisconsin guy, if he's a, another kid from Pewaukee, if he's got the Watt bloodlines, if he flames out in the NFL in Green Bay, well, at least you would have taken a shot at our guy, but you've got to at least take that shot because, again, he is, quote-unquote, our guy. Now, this is not going to be a first-round name here, but there is a perceived need for the Packers at running back, and Mike McCarthy has said as much that he thinks they're going to add more bodies to that position group. Corey Clement has been wonderfully productive at Wisconsin, an interesting story in his own right, kind of rising from that uh, jet-sweep-only guy to being sort of the guy in Wisconsin. Is he someone you could see ending up in Wisconsin or in, in Green Bay? It's possible. Um, they could take a flyer on Corey Clement. I don't know that he's got an NFL body, but then again, there have been uh, you know great running backs that haven't had the, the, quote, NFL bodies that have really had some success in Green Bay. And then there have been guys like Monte Ball, who you thought was going to be a great running back in the NFL based on everything that he did at Wisconsin. And that obviously didn't turn out to be the case. Uh, Melvin Gordon. The jury's still out on Melvin. I think that he's certainly trending in the right direction. But by and large, Wisconsin running backs, once they've gotten to the NFL, haven't done great things. They do great things in Madison, of course. But once they got to the NFL, they found that it's a, certainly a different ballgame. Hopefully, uh, Melvin Gordon can, can turn that around now with the Los Angeles Chargers uh, with Derek Watt, the, the middle of the Watt brothers blocking for him in that same backfield. But, uh, you know, I, if, they, if they take a fourth-round flyer on Corey Clement, okay, that's fine. Whatever you can get with a fourth-round pick or a fifth-round pick, um, I, I guess Packers fans would take it, but I don't know that anyone 
sees Corey Clement as the answer in Green Bay. We're joined by Doug Russell from 620 WTMJ. Doug, the Packers got torched flat out down the stretch in the secondary, and that was due in large part to disappointing second years from a couple high draft picks from 2015, Demarius Randall and Quentin Rollins. Do you think the Packers need to draft another cornerback? Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, they were down Sam Shields almost all of last year, and of course he's gone. They brought back Devon House. Uh, after he left for a couple of years for Jacksonville, they're thin at the position. And if those two players, those you know, now coming into their third year, high draft picks, if they can't find it, if they can't you know reclaim their game, so to speak, uh, it's going to be uh, you know up to Aaron Rodgers to to win shootouts. And he was able to do that at the end of last season. But it's one of the positions where the Packers are uh, most thin at, and. You know, it's, it's also one of those positions where you need a lot of depth. Now, the flip side of that is it's a very difficult position for young players to play. I mean, every scout will tell you the two most difficult positions for any player to play as a rookie is quarterback and cornerback. So it's not going to be the end-all, be-all, instant fix that the Packers kind of need at that position. But nevertheless, it's something that if Ted Thompson is – true to his word about building for the future, which he always seems like he's doing, he's got to at least address that cornerback position because he's let too many guys go. Jumping back to the offensive side of the ball, the talent is undeniable. He, he's a, a very productive college running back, and he seems to tick all the boxes as a physical prospect, but Joe Mixon comes with more than a little bit of baggage, and you can say that uh, he's been acquitted, that they've put it behind him, and all of that, but is, is Joe Mixon on your draft board? No, not if I'm Green Bay. I mean, I think that, look, there are some teams that take on problem uh, children better than than the Packers do. Uh, You know, you you put him with a guy like Bruce Arians in Arizona, that might be a fix, although they're set at that position with David Johnson. Um, But, but, uh, you know, maybe Oakland might be a, a fit for Joe Mixon. But in Green Bay, I know that they need a running back. Uh, after Eddie Lacy and James Starks both left, but they're converting Ty Montgomery now full-time to the position. So, you know, Don Jackson certainly isn't the answer at running back. So it's just another one of those positions that Green Bay needs to address. And you can get somebody decent as a running back uh, in the early rounds. I just don't know if they want to take that PR hit. And look, whomever drafts Joe Mixon is going to take a PR hit. But the Packers have so many positions of need that I don't know that you just – need to bring on that additional headache so he's not on my draft or at least not for the Packers so we'll put you in that general manager position I'm not going to ask you what you think Ted Thompson is going to do because trying to predict that I mean good <laughs> good luck with that we've tried that before but say you are the Packers general manager and you're up at 29 assuming your guy is there who would be your first pick I you know we, we already talked about him if TJ Watt is there if I'm Ted Thompson if I'm running the Packers and it's not because he's from Wisconsin. It's not because he's a Pewaukee kid. I take T.J. Watt. I think he's a good fit for what they need. I think he's got a lot of untapped athleticism that he's still going to show, like his brother. I mean, look, when J.J. Watt was drafted number 10 overall by the Houston Texans, the Texans were booed. And that's turned out to be a great pick. And I see some similarities. Uh, and the one thing that you know that you're never going to get with one of John and Connie's kids is a, is, is a head case. You're never going to get a problem with one of John and Connie's kids. We've seen that uh, through the, you know, JJ and now Derek and now TJ, all great kids with their heads screwed on straight. If he's there at 29, I'm jumping. 
He is Doug Russell. You hear him all over the airways at 620 WTMJ. And with us today, Doug, thanks so much for your time. John, thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. A big thanks again to Doug Russell for appearing with us on the podcast this week. Again, you can hear all of his work at 620 WTMJ and at WTMJ.com. Before we head into the rest of the show, I wanted to take a couple minutes to just talk with you about thepowersweep.com and about Blue 58. This is a really cool opportunity for Gary and myself, and we're really thankful that you, the reader, the listener, has helped make it what it is. Uh, We had pretty low expectations, if anything, when we started this last July uh, we didn't know if people would respond to the things that we were doing, writing, saying, things like that. We didn't even have a podcast when we started. But since then, it's it's really taken off and it's become something more than we imagined it could be. And it continues to grow. And that is all due to you, the reader, the listener, the people who we are writing for. Really, we do this for you. Our idea was that there were other people who thought about the Packers like us out there. And we were trying to reach those people. And as it turns out, there's a lot of them, and they've been very good with their support of the site so far. Unfortunately, these, uh, this site, this podcast, all of this stuff that we do is not free to produce. It takes some work. It takes some monetary resources to make it happen, and it takes a lot of time. With that cost, I mean, obviously, there, there is that financial cost, and you uh, have a few ways that you can help us offset that. Uh, there are four ways that we are working on to help you um, help us, really. And two of them don't cost anything at all. And these are really the most important ones. First, spread the word. Helps us in a big way if you just help get our articles and our podcast in front of more people and more people listening to it. If you see something you like on the site or you hear something you like on the podcast, please share it. Uh, by all means, just go ahead and get it out there. Second thing, subscribe to our emails. We've got a really easy email sign up on our site, and we promise that we will treat your email like gold. It's never going to be going anywhere that it shouldn't, and we're not going to bug you. You're going to get one email a week, and that's it. Uh, Whenever we put out a new podcast, which is once a week, uh, that is when you will get a new email uh, from the Power Sweep, and it will never be more than that. It's going to help you stay on top of uh, what we're doing on the site, and really it's just an easy way to stay on top of the podcast as well. Two other things you can do for us and means are, are where we get into the monetary territory. We don't ever want anybody to do anything that they don't want to do, so if these uh, trip your trigger, please support us, but don't feel any pressure either. We have set up a campaign on Patreon.com. This is a website that, help people, that helps people like us uh, fund their projects so that they can keep them going. We're asking for $1 a month. That is all. That is the only tier of donations that we are planning on having. If you want to give more than that, I'm not, I mean, not going to discourage you, but we're not asking for any more than $1 a month. And you'll be able to see a little bit more detail about what we're doing if you check, head to patreon.com and check out the Power Sweep page there. We're going to link to that in our show notes today. The second thing that you can do uh, in the monetary realm is check us out on this website that we've uh, set up on called Spreadshirt.com. We've put together some products there that we think you're going to like, and we've linked to them in the show notes as well. These are not the first line of shirts and sweatshirts, or not the only line of shirts and sweatshirts that we're going to produce, but this is where we're starting, and feel free to check that out and give us some suggestions if there are some things that you'd like to see. Again, this is all voluntary. We're not asking or trying to guilt anyone into doing this. We just want to be able to keep doing this at the high level that we've been doing it so far, and we are doing it for you. So thank you for supporting. Thank you for reading, listening, checking out the things that we're doing on the site. It means a lot, and I know um, 
that you've been enjoying it because you're telling us, and I hope that we can continue to give you things that are worthwhile and valuable. So, on with the show. Blue 58, hit! Running back is considered a position of need for the Packers as they head into the draft. Where or how much you view that as a position of need will vary, but I don't think anybody would disagree that the Packers do need and want more running backs. So we're going to spend a little bit of time today as we head into the draft talking about running backs. Why? Well, there are a lot of good ones in this draft. It's considered an unusually deep draft for running backs. The Packers do seem to need one at least, at least one, and they've said as much that they want to acquire more. Mike McCarthy says that he wants more running backs. And finally, the team has showed a pretty significant willingness to draft them. They haven't drafted one since 2013 when they took two in the same draft, but over the life of Ted Thompson's tenure, he's drafted more than a handful of running backs. Seems likely that they may at least consider drafting one at some point over this weekend, and if they don't, I would say that it's almost certain that they're going to try to get one through undrafted free agency. So we want to take a little bit more of an in-depth look at this, especially since the Packers have not been super willing uh, to spend in free agency. If they're going to get a running back, it's going to be through the draft. So Gary, we're going to approach this through three questions. First of all, would you draft a running back in the first round? I would, John, because I really love these high-end running backs. I'm sure some out of the group of Fournette, Cook, McCaffrey, Kamara won't quite pan out, but they're all exciting college backs that, when you watch their YouTube highlights, certainly have the skills to make it in the NFL. And a little bit of, I'm, I'm sick of watching tape of cornerbacks and, and pass rushers that aren't, aren't as, as maybe aren't going to score me points. <laughs> uh, if the Packers do pick a back in the first round, though, it's going to put a lot of pressure on the running back that they that they pick because it's a luxury offensive weapon when you've got some pretty glaring holes on the defense that back better be good and good right away that's really less about the combine data and the mock drafts and more about how they handle pressure off the field some players can handle it some can't but if they believe uh, that that the guy's going to be there and he will and he is and they think he can handle it I, i'd support it I would not draft a running back in the first round, kind of on the flip side of a lot of the reasons that you mentioned. Like you said, it is a a luxury sort of pick, and I think the Packers just have too many needs elsewhere that are more pressing than a running back to justify taking one in the first round. I look at the Packers, and I think I see four significant needs heading into the draft. They need some sort of pass rusher a lineman, an outside linebacker type, and one of those edge defenders. They need someone who can help out in the secondary. They need another offensive lineman, either a guard or somebody who can play both guard and tackle. And they do need a running back. And I think out of those four, running back is the fourth most important. And the final reason is there may just be too many good ones available. Uh, I don't think there's any reason to pick one early if you can still get a good one in the third, fourth, or maybe even fifth round. I think that would make it tough for me to want to commit that first round pick to a running back. Now that said, I do see a lot of the the same points that you make and it would be super fun to see what someone like Christian McCaffrey could do in the Packers offense. I just, I don't know if I would spend a first round pick on that, but I guess that leads to question number two for me. If not the first round, would you draft a running back at all? So the Packers are up at 29 There are running backs on the board, say Dalvin cook and Christian McCaffrey are still there. That's just a hypothetical. I go. I don't know or think that's going to happen. 
but if they're there and the Packers pass, would you still try to draft one later? I would. I guess it depends on who's available and when. Blah blah blah. I know there's a that's a bit of a cop out of an answer, but I think the Packers have a decision to make here between running back, wide receiver, and tight end. Most likely, you're going to probably pick somebody in the first four rounds at one of those three positions. So how do you prioritize? Well, I think they prioritize given the history of of drafting so many wide receivers that the Packers will most likely take a wide receiver. Jordy's not getting any younger. Adams is in a contract year. I I, I guess I'm saying as much as I'd love for them to pick a running back the first round, I, I think they're going to pick a wide receiver before they pick running back. Do you view it as a sort of either or sort of thing? Like if if the Packers draft a receiver somewhere between, I don't know, I think we agree it's probably going to be somewhere between rounds three and five. If they draft a receiver somewhere in there, they won't take a running back? I don't, I don't think that's necessarily the case. I think I would view in the first four rounds, you've probably got room to pick one offensive player. And of of that, and given the tendencies that the Packers have, I think they're going to pick a wide receiver before they would pick a tight end or a running back. I think that I think that's pretty fair. Um, I think there are needs at wide receiver, and that's something that we have covered fairly extensively. But that's kind of a, a been a below the radar sort of situation for the Packers as they head towards the draft. I still would draft if they don't want to get one in the first round, and I don't think they are going to take one in the first round. I still would draft one. Towards the middle rounds, and a case can be made, like you said, that wide receiver is pretty sneaky need, but there's no reason the Packers can't draft both. I don't think that's a that's a uh, prohibitive sort of situation. I think there is a case to be made for not taking a running back at all and trying to get one through undrafted free agency, but it's not a super strong case. According to our data that we did in our big draft preview, you can get a pretty decent running back in undrafted free agency but they're going to be a little bit worse than a sixth round pick and probably only a little bit better than a sixth and a half round pick. It's, you're probably not going to get a super big stud in undrafted free agency. I'm not sure exactly why that is, but I think the Packers, if they do want to upgrade this position group, are going to have to draft one. Finally, and this one gets a little bit more prognosticating, which is something that I think we try to avoid uh, because it, it sets up some expectations that maybe we don't need to. Uh, but which running back do you see as being the best fit with the Packers? I don't want to pick a guy that's a sixth or seventh round pick just because that's that's not exciting and that's not why you're listening to this podcast. So if I had to pick from the top tier, one of the guys that I haven't seen picked to the Packers is Deonta Foreman from Texas. His side, size and speed combinations are similar to the old Rams running back Steven Jackson, who a lot of Packer fans wanted to sign, and instead we drafted a lookalike in Eddie Lacy. So kind of the same build as those those type of players. Foreman just kind of feels like the kind of guy the Packers end up with, a big body, the best pass blocker in the running back class, which is a really important feature for any running back in the Packers system, and enough speed to break through the holes, but going to get caught from behind once he gets into the secondary. I like Foreman, uh, but then again, I, I, I do think it's a little unrealistic that we'd end up with him. I think just the way the board breaks down, he's probably going to be unavailable 
at the place where the Packers would be most likely to pick him in the second or third rounds. Yeah, I'd say that seems about right, and I have some thoughts on Foreman here in a second, but two other names that I wanted to touch on um, were Marlon Mack from South Florida and Brian Hill from Wyoming. You know, best fit is kind of a weird thing to talk about in terms of the Packers because you have to remember that last year at this point, Ty Montgomery was a wide receiver and was thought to only ever be a wide receiver. Christian Michael played for the Seattle Seahawks. Maybe, not yet. Did he start with Dallas? I can't even remember. And he's he's not a pure runner, I guess, by any stretch of the imagination. Don Jackson, by that logic, is the only, the truest running back on the draft, or on the, on the roster right now. So back to Mack and Hill. Uh, I like them both a lot, but I like them less than I used to, if that makes sense. Both run the 40 slower than 4-5, uh, and I'm a little bit tired of slowish running backs. I mean, even Ty Montgomery isn't isn't a, a burner. He's closer to 4-5 than 4-4. I'm with you. I like Deontay Foreman. 4-4-5, 40-yard dash in the upper 230s at his pro day. I mean, a grain of salt on that time, as with all pro day times. But that's pretty impressive. I mean, that's a big guy moving pretty quickly. It'd be fun to see a guy like that in Green Bay. Gary, any other draft thoughts before we head into the weekend uh, and see what the Packers actually do? I am sick of talking about the draft, John. (laughs) And I am sick of it because I know that at least a handful of the guys we've talked about over these past few weeks are going to end up on the Bears, the Vikings, the Lions, the Seahawks. And I just don't want to have to not root for them. I remember I really liked Shea McClellan the linebacker out of Boise State when he was in the draft and had a bit of a unique story where it looked like he might have been a fit with the Packers, and then Chicago goes and takes him. And I got to not like the guy now. Um, and I just don't like this part of the the draft where I have to say goodbye to some players that I've been uh, kind of coveting in my mind for the Packers. So uh, I'm ready to start talking about guys that are going to be on the team, and I'm looking forward to this weekend. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it at well uh, as well. To me, it feels a little bit like Christmas, not not like the Christmas, like Christmas morning, like Christmas when the presents have been under the tree for about two weeks now, and you've got a pretty good idea what a couple of them are, but there are a couple that you just you couldn't begin to guess what they are, and you just want to get it over with and actually see what's inside them. It's almost a little bit more annoying than happy that you're going to be getting the present. To me, I'm going to be excited about whoever the Packers pick. I tend to view everybody with pretty rosy glasses for the couple weeks after the draft. Generally, there aren't any that I'm like, huh, that seemed pretty weird because I try to give them the benefit of the doubt. But I'm just excited to get it going and see what we can do and head into our first draft as the powersweep.com and Blue 58. Hey, Gary, while I got you here, did you know that the Packers first took a running back in the draft all the way back in 1938, according to ProFootballReference.com, his name was Andy Uram, U-R-A-M. He joined the Packers as a sixth-round pick in the 1938 draft. But get this, the sixth round still got you as number 47 overall in the 38 draft. Packers had taken other backs, but he is the first one ever listed as a running back in the Pro Football Reference database. Played for the Packers for six years, rushed for just over 1,000 yards in his career. He scored four touchdowns. And at one point, he had the longest run in NFL history at 97 yards. He left the Packers when he joined the United States Navy in 1943. 30 years later, he was inducted into the Packers Hall of Fame. Gary, I think that's the show for this week. 
I think it is, John. And let me tell you where you can find us. If you'd so choose, you can check out our website at www.thepowersweep.com. Also, feel free to follow us on Facebook and Twitter. We are at The Power Sweep in both locations. You can also send us a good old-fashioned email. We are thepowersweep1959 at gmail.com. And again, we'll have links to our Patreon page and our shop page, uh, both on thepowersweep.com and on the show notes for this episode. Uh, We'd love to hear from you. All of your feedback helps make John and I uh, better Packer fans and, and helps make all of us smarter Packer fans. And smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. For Gary Villady, I am John Muting. The draft in Philadelphia starting this Thursday, and we will have it all broken down for you next week on Blue 58.